Hello, hello, lovely listeners. All of you ghouls and goblins. And everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda and Emma. Happy Halloween, everyone! Or, well, October. Kind of. I mean, I say that any moment in October is officially Halloween, although technically we are recording this, unfortunately, in September. But when we put this episode out, it will be October, which means it's Halloween. And to your technically, I raise it a technically and I say it's already spooky season, baby. Oh, you're right. The air is getting cooler. Target is already sold out of all of their Halloween decorations. (laughs) So that means it's officially haunted hours 24-7. Walmart got started with their Halloween decorations on like September 5th and I was there for it. Walmart declared that it's spooky season Mm -hmm. and I agreed with them. They get to wear the hat of this is when holidays are happening now. Mm -hmm. So I trust them wholeheartedly with my entire soul and being. Oh yeah. Well, since we're in spooky season, it is now seasonally appropriate to be watching Halloween movies. And, you know, based on the subject matter of this episode, I kind of wanted to ask you, do you have any spooky movies with female leads that you really love? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, The Exorcist is my favorite, perhaps movie of all time, but definitely horror movie. And it's kind of female-led, I would say, mm. since... I, well, I mean, the the women aren't necessarily completely the heroes of the story, but you couldn't have it without them. But I also love, like, Ginger Snaps is a really, really great female-led movie. There is, like, The Craft, The Witch, Rosemary's Baby is... That one's a trip. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, Carrie. All solid. All super solid answers. I'm a little disappointed you didn't say Hocus Pocus. Oh, Because that is definitely female-led. Shit. Also Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Thank you for the addendum. And Thank Halloween you. Town. Mm, mm, also female-led. What about you? Do you have a favorite female-led horror movie? I really loved Midsommar, um, or Midsummer. It's the the new A24 one. I really love that movie. And I don't know, I have a bad habit of watching horror movies and rooting for the bad guys just because... <laughs> Well, I, I I did a film class on horror and I've done a lot of film work. Like when I say film work, I mean critical thinking about film. And for a lot of women, especially women in horror movies, their role is kind of like it's seen as subversive for women in horror movies to A, fight back. Or if they're the monster, it's always it's never usually the women yeah. are evil. They're always brought to it or drawn towards these horrible situations. Have you ever seen Suspiria? I've heard a lot about it. And there's a remake with Dakota Johnson and I've heard heard the original was really good the original is better yeah it's interesting because it has those sorts of concepts but it's kind of like the women are doing both Mm -hmm. like they're both fighting it being drawn towards it but also it it's all of them yeah it's very interesting that's you may be the horror movie aficionado i've never taken a class on it i mean it's stuff kind of like in horror movies women are either the victim or the monster Mm -hmm. whereas men are allowed to be you know, police officers or head of households or the scary, like the scary otherworldly thing is almost always male unless there's some sort of feminine energy to it. Unless like women attack women in horror movies, but men attack women and men. So it's kind of, yeah, the character I'm talking about is she's a big mainstay in horror movies in Southeast Asia. I don't think we've really gotten a lot of her in the Western world. So I'm very excited to kind of share this kind of mythos with a more American audience, especially because she's so fascinating and she's kind of a feminist icon we love a feminist creep she's like us yes we're feminist creeps we love ladies like us have you ever seen the ring obviously 
Well, I haven't seen uh, the original Ring, the Japanese version, but mm-hmm. I have seen the American version. It's not that story, but it's similar elk, where I feel like a lot of Southeast Asian females in horror have very similar either looks or traits. So it's very interesting just to kind of get into that whole world because it's not something mm-hmm. we see a lot in Western media. Alrighty. Oh, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but I was texting my dad about this podcast and he was like, oh, you need to do one about the creature we're doing this week. And then he sent me a picture and he's like, actually, maybe you shouldn't. She looks too much like Emma. Oh my God. <laughs> sorry for calling you out, dad. You told me not to tell her that, but I'm going to give you the description of this character later in the episode. To be fair, it's a very easy Halloween costume for you to pull off. Oh, I once, when I was a kid, I actually, I made a haunted house for charity um, at my church. There's a lot to unpack there. But at one point I was playing like a mental patient within it. And it was so easy for me to look scary that when I looked into my reflection, I actually got scared. Like I was like, <laughs> fuck. Oh God, what is that? What is oh, that? it's just me. Oh, it's me. Oh shit. Just as disappointing. So my first real paying job was actually working for Universal Studios in Singapore. And I was cast for their Halloween Horror Nights, which we have in Singapore. And it was pretty similar to the version that you get in America. So where Jurassic Park usually is in the parks, we turned it into, it was called Scary Tales. So it was a retelling of a bunch of famous fairy tales, but made scary. So like Hansel and Gretel, Hansel had like a chainsaw. I played Rapunzel. And on my audition sheet, I put, I'm not afraid of heights because I'm not. So they were like, okay, cool. Let's stick this little blonde girl in a tower 20 feet high. (laughs) For safety regulations, I had to wear a harness. That's how high up and precarious this little platform that I stood on was. (laughs) And it was my job to princess wave, like princess Diana wave at all of the people walking by. And it was great because people would walk by my house after getting a scare and they're like, oh, it's a princess up there. How fun. And I'd smile at them and wave. And then when I got a big enough group of people, since I was harnessed in, I could lunge out over my balcony and like, ah! freaked him out every time and there was a guy below me who was dressed up like wrapped in blonde hair and he was a hair monster and he could raise his arms so if people walked past him he could like grab onto them but he just looked like hair wrapped around the Rapunzel's tower one of the best jobs I ever had it was honestly so much fun that really says a lot though about how you and I look that you were cast (laughs) as Rapunzel and you were a mental patient I'm a mental patient your dad is like you can't do this creature it looks too much like Emma (laughs) Emma's too scary All right, so I teased this creature a few weeks ago, but since we're going to be looking into spooky ladies, I figured it's the perfect time to explore the history of the Pontianuk. Sexy name. It's a great name. I did have to look up a bunch of pronunciation videos just to see if I got it right, and if I got it wrong, I'm sorry, that's what the internet told me, but I will be calling her the Pontianuk. Sexy. So I've heard a few things about this mythic gal from my fellow horror-loving friends in Singapore, but I figured I'd share my findings with my American friends because I don't think they've heard a lot about her. I really haven't. Yeah. There's a bunch of similar creatures in Southeast Asian folklore, but today I'll be discussing my findings on the Pontianic specifically, though there is a bunch of overlap and similar depictions of ghostly women from many different countries in this area. And she's, as I've said before, a total feminist icon, and I'm very excited for more people to kind of get to know her. The word Pontianic is said to come from an Indonesian phrase that roughly translates to a woman who dies in childbirth. So it's said that a woman who dies while she is with child or she dies as a result of male-inflicted violence will rise again as a Pontianuk. The creature is depicted as a red-eyed and pale-skinned woman with long black hair who's dressed in a blood-smeared white dress. There it is. 
Yeah, you've got long dark hair and very yep. pale skin, honey boo boo. Like, yep, that is me. This would be a very easy Halloween costume for you. It really would be. Um, I would recommend everyone right now to open up Google and search pictures of this girl and look back at the picture we've posted of Emma on our Instagram page across dot the dot veil. It, it is hauntingly similar. Looking like a ghost. Well, something she has that you don't have is she has a hole at the nape of her neck. More on this later. She is said to first appear as a beautiful maiden, which is why legend says that men who walk alone at night should not harass single women on the street, or they might meet a grisly demise. Yes. The Pontianak has a second, more monstrous form after she captures her helpless, usually male victims. <laughs> So the Pontianic typically only appears under a full moon. Some legends say that if you hear a dog howling at night, then the creature is far away. But if the dog is whining, then the beast is nearby. It is said that the Pontianic vocalizes when she is nearby by mimicking the high-pitched cries of a baby, or you hear very feminine laughter all around you. Oh, I love her. You'll know she's around because she fills the night air with the scent of plumeria which is a very sickly floral scent intermingled with the stench of a decaying corpse. So, fun fact for our botany enthusiasts, I am one. Um, so the plumeria is more colloquially known as the frangipani flower. It's got white at the top, yellow in the middle, very classic in Southeast Asian cultures. But the frangipani flower, interestingly enough, is most fragrant at night to lure sphinx moths to pollinate them. Mm. What's super fascinating about these flowers is that despite their sickly sweet scent, they don't actually have any nectar. The smell actually tricks their pollinators into transferring pollen from flower to flower in their fruitless search for nectar. That is very cool. It's really interesting, too, that they're kind of intermingled with this creature because it's usually a woman who dies in childbirth, and so she doesn't have children, and a lot of, you know, and a lot of analogies for women who can't bear children is kind of like, it's a flower who doesn't produce any nectar. Mm -hmm. So it's very fascinating that these creatures are associated with these flowers, because it's a trap. Yeah. Like, this beautiful, sweet-smelling femininity is a total trap so that they can kill, kill their victims. Like, this is really cool. There's so much, like, about her that so much nuance and just she's very intelligent so the manipulation of frail femininity which is heralded by the baby crying and the sweet flower juxtaposed with the vicious violence that these creatures inflict i find it so interesting especially in a heavily patriarchal culture most cultures in southeast asia are very heavily patriarchal these creatures mimic womanhood and use it to their advantage to capture prey these creatures are feared because they're powerful women who have been wronged by a partner or by society and they now have the means to seek revenge, which unfortunately most women don't get to do. It's true. They, I, I love that she's almost like, <laughs> it sounds weird, but she's like the patron saint. Patron saint of wronged women. Yeah. You know, and she can finally fight back because she's become this monstrous creature that's really just trying to seek revenge for the society that's wronged her. It's, it's sad that she's considered monstrous. But it, then again, it also just sort of shows the power of women. Or the fear of women with agency. Yeah, yes. It's like the fear of women who are able to use their own power against men and also use their femininity to, to lure them to like to get them into her yeah she seduces them towards her and then then she attacks she's amazing so the main murder method of this lovely ghost lady is chef's kiss she uses her long fingernails to remove the organs of her victim. If the killing is in revenge or retribution, she'll eviscerate the person with her bare hands. So there's a difference between like a person that she finds on the street versus if it's a revenge killing where she'll just mm -hmm. tear That's them what apart. She does. 
kill people like randomly on the street. Yes, but mostly men. It's still mostly men. Okay, still guys. It's still men. Sorry, guys. The legend goes, if it's a partner who's committed domestic abuse on this woman and she's died from it, there's a difference between how she'll kill him versus how she'll kill the average Joe. She's also been known to suck a victim's eyes out of their skull. Yummy! (laughs) A cute little snack. Just like pop one in. It's like grapes, you know? Like, yeah, delicious. She's a gal with taste, obviously. Clearly. It is said that the Pontianak locate their prey by sniffing out their drying laundry, and this is why some Malaysians refuse to leave clothing drying overnight. And when I read this, my brain immediately went, oh my god, it's like Michael Myers in Jamie Lee Curtis's backyard. You know the scene where there's like the laundry blowing and he's standing there and she's like, there's a connection somewhere. There's like levels of horror movie magic in there somewhere. Also, another powerful woman in horror, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, come on, let's go. So, how does one stop these creepy gals? Although, I'd want to personally be friends and take this girl to brunch. Some people want to stop her, and there is there is a way to stop her. According to legend, if you drive an iron coffin nail onto the hole in the nape of her neck, the creature will transform back into a beautiful woman and stay that way until the nail is removed. Which is kind of a sad way to take away this creature's agency again. I don't like that. She becomes a perfect wife. She becomes happy if no. you drive a nail in to the thing in your neck. It's like they're lobotomizing her. They're lobotomizing this creature who's really just out to get revenge on men who've wronged her. Because she was wrong. Yeah. She was wronged and then she's punished And she's it. punished by being trapped in a body that's not hers, forced to be a dutiful wife. Ugh. Yeah, but I mean, she does she does kill random people sometimes. So she it's does. not okay, like... Yes, that is fair. She's not... She's not innocent in all of this by any means. Yeah. She is still monstrous, but it's kind of a sad end. It is. It's only to stop her not to kill her. Yeah. I don't know why I still feel like that's sexist, but it is. No, I know it is because it's like you're not killing the creature. Like you're not giving the creature. You're taming it. You're taming it, which is worse almost. But that bitch would put up a fight. She would. I'm sure she would. She'd give you the fight of a lifetime. How do you get behind her to put an iron thing in the back of her neck and iron nail. She has long dark hair too. You gotta part that and put it in. You gotta part that. It'd be hard to find a hole in the back of my neck. I have very long dark hair. Like I would feel you parting that curtain. Like I'm sorry. And then if I have nails, I'm just gonna scratch you up. I can feel you there. I'm gonna scratch you. You've got Kylie Jenner nails. You're like, (laughs) so the Pontianic is a very popular theme in Indonesian and Malaysian horror movies. The first movie about this mythical creature was the Malaysian film Anak Pontianak, which was released in 1958. Whoa. And many, many films have been made about this creature ever since. That's so cool. And they've been made all over Southeast Asia. So it's it's regional, but it's not based on one specific country. A lot of different cultures have similar creatures with slightly different names, but they all kind of hold the same point in the local folklore. Yeah. So a lot of people refer to these creatures as Southeast Asian vampires, but I really hope that this episode has shown you that that's not quite accurate. I'd really recommend watching movies about the Pontianic because horror films from Asia tend to go super hard and you'll also be culturally educating yourself at the same time. I've actually got a really great recommendation for you, but first, here's a quote from the director of the film. From the 1950s? No, no, no. This is from a a more recent film Mm -hmm. that you guys can watch. It's online. Give money to this filmmaker. She's great. Um, So it's a Kuala Lumpur-based filmmaker, Amanda Nell U, who says of this creature, she can walk alone and not have to be accompanied by a man. She can be as beautiful and provocative as she wants. She can be extremely gentle or a massive flirt. But if you dare touch her without her consent, the claws will come out. Yes. 
So Amanda Yu is actually the director of a 2017 short film, It's Easier to Raise Cattle, which depicts a friendship between two countryside girls, one of whom is revealed to be a Pontiana. Sick. Rather than focus on her killings, however, the film pays more attention to how the bond between the two protagonists lasts, even after oh. the Pontianic's nocturnal activities are discovered, which just sounds like the version of Jennifer's body we've been asking. Like, oh, my best friend murders men who abuse women. Well... We're still going to be friends. I'm just going to let her keep going. Oh, man. I want to see this so badly. I know. Doesn't it sound like a great movie? It's just... It sounds great. It's just gals being pals, you know? Yeah. Guys being dudes, gals being pals. Gals being pals includes murder. Guys being dudes is like, oh, I'm going to have three course lights. that? (laughs) So recently, there's been a bunch of really feminist retellings. There's even a book called Ponty by a Singapore author that takes stories from three different girls, one of whom plays the Pontianak in a bunch of B great horror movies in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a lot of media about this character, about kind of this whole mythos and folklore that Western audiences haven't been exposed to. And you need to because she is so cool. And there's so many cool ways to talk about women in horror using this folklore and using this really feminist narrative. She's my new dream role. Mm -hmm. Like, that's fucking sick. Yeah, so I mean, kind of my big point about talking about her is I just feel like more people, more people need to know. And that's why we wanted to start this podcast, really, is just to tell you stories that you might not have heard before. We do the deep dive into the internet for you. And boy, do I love deep diving into the internet. Great story this week, Zelda. Thank you. Thank you. I was so excited to share her because I think more people should know about her because she's a total badass. 100%. So Emma, what are we going to talk about next week? So we're actually going to be talking about a creature that's very similar to the Pontiana, Mm -hmm. but she's a Scottish vampire. Very cool. Mm -hmm. We're going from Malaysia and Indonesia to Scotland. Hell yeah, Scotland. If you had the chance to change your fate, would you? Yeah, we're going to keep on with the spooky season, a little bit more blood-sucking bitches, and I'm pumped to tell you about it. So that's what's coming up next week. But for now, we're done. So we'll see you guys next time across the veil.